Today on the Matt Wall Show, as many states go back into lockdown mode and the holiday season is effectively canceled due to COVID, we're, we're told that those who resist these measures or refuse to follow them are in denial about the danger. But I think the people who want to keep society shut down for fear of a virus are the ones in denial, and I'll explain why. Also, five headlines, including the latest Democrat politician to violate his own COVID restrictions, a long list. Here's the latest one on it. And uh, the Daily Beast uncovers a massive scandal. Apparently, a Christian politician tried to convert some people to Christianity. Shocking stuff. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel Canada. They've been begging for it for years. And now the time has come. The bell is tolling for Canada. All of that coming up. But first, you know, um, when we find, I think there's so many companies out there as, as conservatives, as pro-lifers uh, who are against us, working against us in the culture. And probably a lot of these companies are, are companies that you're giving money to because there's just so many of them. And that's just, and it's a big problem. And, you know, as conservatives, we talk about this all the time. And that's why when you find a company that, that supports us in the culture, it's so important to support them. And that's where the pro-life phone company, Charity Mobile, comes in. With Charity Mobile, 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. So you get to decide what company you want, what charity you want to support. Uh, and on top of, of supporting this great cause, you're also getting a great service. New activations and eligible accounts get a, a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. There's no contracts. There's no termination fee. Uh, there's a no-risk 30-day guarantee, so you're not getting sucked into anything. And also live customer service based right here in the USA, which is what we like to hear. Charity Mobile giving jobs to people in the USA. Uh, and if you've got kids and, you're, you're, of course, you're worried about security and protecting your kids, you have the ability to block use of cellular data, picture messages, text messages, whatever it is on any or all of your accounts. Um, many other perks as well. Free usage alerts. You get a free app to monitor your usage, pay your bill, much more. You can do all of this having this great service while helping to build a culture of life in America um, by supporting a pro-life phone company. It's just, it's, it's so important. Again, we complain about not having companies that support our values, share our values. Well, here's one, and when, when, when such a company comes along, we gotta support them because they support us. So call, uh, call Charity Mobile at 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. Well, you know, nobody likes to think about death or acknowledge that one day they will be claimed by it, but we live in a culture where people are especially determined to avoid such thoughts and especially equipped to avoid them successfully. You know, there's a never-ending supply of distraction, a million ways to stave off death thoughts, suffocate them, sublimate them. There are whole industries dedicated to making us look younger, feel younger. Pop culture is constantly rehashing the stories of our childhood, allowing us to relive our youth or at least pretend that we are. And you add to that the pharmaceutical industry with its cornucopia of pills to numb our pain, extend our lives, even chase despair away from our minds. If ever anyone does have the audacity to die, even in spite of all these efforts, um, they'll normally perform the unsightly act away from view, out of sight, in facilities designed for such purposes. It's not that all these things are bad in and of themselves. I, I much prefer to have hospitals and hospices for the dying. I'm grateful that many of the drugs at the pharmacy are available, should I need them. Not all of them, but many of them. But the combination of modern medicine, modern technology, modern entertainment, coupled with the decline of religion and the rise of secularity, has created a great psychological barrier, an emotional barrier. And on the other side of that protective shield, we're able to carry on as if we're immortal, as if the reaper only comes for those who look at its face. 
Now, this all may seem like not so bad a way to live until the barriers are broken. Our methods of avoidance no longer work, and we are face-to-face with a reality that we're not prepared to confront. And this is a moment that was always destined to happen to everyone. You know, the doctor calls with the MRI results. You feel a lump in a place where there shouldn't be one. A close family member is taken from you suddenly by car accident or suicide or anything else. Everyone at some point has their wake-up call when death knocks on a door that they have no choice but to answer. But what happens when an entire society of death thought avoiders have their barriers broken all at once? What happens when there's a knock on everyone's door at the same time? That might have been an interesting thought experiment a year ago, but now we know the answer. The coronavirus has forced everyone to acknowledge our mortality. And the response from many of us was to, of course, first we remember panic, emptying grocery store shelves for no reason, causing shortages of supplies that have nothing to do with protecting us from the virus. And then we erected new barriers, physical ones, retreating behind masks into our homes, where a great many Americans have shown an incredible willingness to remain for as long as possible. It's not as though the risk that most of us face is very high for you know, anyone who's not already sick or very old. The chance of being hospitalized from the virus is low. The chance of dying from it is extremely low when you look at the percentages. But it's also a threat in a different way. It's a threat to the, the peace of mind the false sense of security, the illusion of immortality harbored by many Americans. This, I think, is the great dividing line, the difference between those who have responded to the pandemic by retreating entirely from their normal lives, hiding in their homes, wearing masks even just to walk down the street, and even now still having no desire to go back to normal, no, no matter the, in, the economic impact that all this has, has had. Um, and, and, you know, those who have basically continued... So there's, you have that on the one side, and then on the other side, you have those who have basically continued living their lives almost as normal, uh, taking reasonable precautions, but not allowing themselves to be paralyzed by fear. I think the people in the former group accuse the people in the latter group of being deniers. They're denying science. They're denying reality. They're in denial, it's said. But I think the opposite is the case. These are the people who are not in denial. They already knew they were mortal. They already knew that they would die one day. They don't want to die now. They have no direct plans to. They are taking precautions, but they understand that their time is limited. Their lives are finite, and they intend to make the most of the time they have. This is why the pandemic didn't throw this group for a loop the way it did the other group, because they knew that these things are part of life. They had already factored that into their calculus. The truly in-denial group are those who would stay locked down for as long as they're told, and happily so. Those who you see wearing masks as they drive in their cars by themselves. Those who raise no objection at all to government measures that are decimating entire industries, putting millions out of work, tearing up the Constitution in the process. They are in denial about many things, science certainly among them. But the thing they most wish to deny is their mortality and the inevitability of their own physical demise. This is a point that comes to mind with the holidays approaching and the discussion about whether to be, you know, with, with family around the holidays. I hear from a lot of people who say that they're doing the right thing by declining to be with their families, in particular their elderly parents or their grandparents, because it'd be too dangerous. And of course, if any family member chooses not to be involved in your holiday festivities, that's a choice you should respect. Nobody's saying you should kidnap granny and force her to come to your house and eat turkey. But if your relatives want to see you for the holidays, especially your elderly relatives, consider the fact, just consider the fact that they probably don't have many holidays left. 
regardless of COVID. We all have a limited time on this earth. And as you get into the later stages of life, that time is even more limited. It may not be worth it to someone who is elderly to give up one of their few remaining Thanksgivings and Christmases in order to avoid the minimal risk involved in seeing their families. They may want to live their lives now to the fullest extent they can rather than stay hidden away. Not every elderly person will feel this way. Not every person in general feels this way, as we already discussed. But we have assumed during this whole ordeal that it is, is better to keep the elderly indefinitely isolated to protect them. And certainly we need to protect them. We need to do a better job of protecting them than they did in New York and so many other states. But it pains me to think that so many have lived their final stage of life alone, isolated, even died alone, all in the name of safety. There's a balance here that we have to strike. We haven't even tried to strike it, though. We've gone entirely to one extreme end of the spectrum, as if protecting ourselves and loved ones from COVID, COVID is the ultimate good, and no other consideration should ever be made. It's a tragic mistake, I think, on many levels. And this is just one of those levels. Let's get to our five headlines. All right, so who's the latest politician to violate his own COVID rules and get caught for doing it? Important qualifier here, you know, that is get caught for doing it because we can assume that they're all violating the rules. It's just that they don't all get caught. So the latest is Governor Gavin Newsom in California. Um, he went to a party at a restaurant. So it's, that's two levels here. He went to a restaurant and it was a party. Um, and, uh, and I guess he was caught. People found out about it. And here he is pretending to be contrite. A few weeks ago, uh, I was asked to go to a friend's 50th birthday. Uh, my wife and I, a friend that I've known for almost 20 years and, uh, and a friend that had, well, put a lot of time and energy into his 50th birthday. It was in Napa, which was in the orange status, relatively loose compared to some other counties. Uh, it was to be an outdoor uh, uh, restaurant. And we started the, well, the program started at 4 o'clock. It was one of those early reservations. I got there a little bit late at 4.30. Uh, and as soon as I sat down at uh, the larger table, I realized it was a little larger group uh, than I had anticipated. Uh, and I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car, and drove back uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. And you can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach and not practice. And I've done my best to do that. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. And I saw somebody on Twitter point out that there, there's a real disconnect, um, really in general with this guy, but especially in that clip you just watched, between his facial expressions and what he's saying. He's, he's supposed to be apologetic, but you don't see that on his face. He uh, keeps saying, well, we all, you know, we, I made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Yeah, sure, we all do make mistakes. But going to a party while at the same time forbidding the residents of your state from doing the same is not a mistake. It's an intentional act. This word mistake is often abused, I think. Um, it, a mistake is something you do 
You didn't mean to do, right? It's, it's like an accident. If you do it intentionally, it's not a mistake. So this was an intentional act on the part of the governor. And we have a right to ask, what motivated this intentional act? It's not enough. With these, with these people, when they get caught doing this, whether they're going to get their hair done or they're going to a party, whatever it is, um, you, you see them walking around without a mask, even while they're lecturing everybody else for not having masks on, passing mask mandates and everything. Um, we, we have a right to, it's, it's not enough to say, oh, it was a mistake, I'm so sorry. Okay, great, you're sorry. You're sorry because you were caught. But why were you doing it? What, what, what motivated that? We have a right to ask that. So we could ask with, with Governor Newsom, is he suicidal and homicidal? Does he really believe that going to an event like this might kill someone or himself and he did it anyway? Because that's, that's the way he talks normally. If so, you know, if he's homicidal and suicidal, that's a fact that might be of some interest to the people of California. Or does he not really believe what he says about the virus? Does he actually believe that, well, sure, I mean, you, 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 can, you can be, you know, pretty safe and go to a restaurant, go to a party. Like, it's possible to do. Does he, is, that, is that the case? Which means that everything he's been saying about the virus publicly, he doesn't really mean. It's got to be one of those, right? It's, it's either he doesn't, he doesn't believe what he's been saying about the virus, or he does believe it, and he's got a death wish. It really has to be one or the other. And uh, that's, I, I, I think, if there was a real media in this country, and in California especially, they would ask him that question. Which is it, Governor? Do you have a death wish, or are you a, a, a lying hypocrite? Which one? I think it's probably the lying hypocrite. Number two, a huge scandal here. Uh, the Daily Beast has this covered. It says, Madison Cawthorn, the North Carolina Republican who became the youngest member of Congress in history, has admitted that he tried to convert Jews and Muslims to Christianity. My God. Uh, in an interview with Jewish Insider, the 25-year-old who came under fire for selfies he took at Hitler's vacation retreat in Germany, claimed he had uh, converted several Muslims to Christ and several culturally Jewish people. Cawthorn said, if all, if all you are is friends with other Christians, then how are you ever going to lead somebody to Christ? If you're not wanting to lead someone to Christ, then you're probably not really a Christian. Claiming he's read through just about every single religious work there is, um, the Republican said that he converted a young woman from New York and someone, quote, down in Atlanta when he was in rehab after a car accident that left him paralyzed. It was pretty incredible, Cawthorn added, as... Um, and, and said he has been unsuccessful in converting practicing Jews. But he has, quote, switched a lot of, I guess, culturally Jewish people. But being a practicing Jew, like people who are religious about it, they are very difficult. I've had a hard time connecting with them in that way. Okay. Disturbing stuff. It seems that this evangelical Christian believes in evangelizing. It seems that this believer in the good news believes in telling people the good news. It seems that this Christian is Christian. Incredible revelation. I'm glad the Daily Beast is on top of this. Perhaps next we'll find out that, you know, there are vegetarians out there who like salad. Uh, bowlers who on occasion will roll heavy balls towards small stationary objects. I mean, it's impossible to know what surprises await us after this. Um, by the way, if you've ever been, just, just a note here. If you've, if, you've ever, if you've ever been proselytized to, um, whether you're a, a member of a non-Christian religion or no religion, 
you shouldn't be offended by it or upset by it. It doesn't make any sense to be offended or upset by it. The person trying to convert you believes they are telling you a crucial truth about the universe and reality. Um, you may disagree. You know, you may not believe what they're saying, but there's no place to be offended by it. You should be offended if they don't tell you, if they don't share it with you. You know, if you've got a, a Christian in your life who's, who's, uh, who's, who's not sharing that with you, I think, I think that maybe is where the offense should come in. Um, I think that tells you something about how much they care about you and for you. It's sort of like, you know, if you're, if you're walking towards a, a bridge and someone thinks that the bridge is faulty and it's going to give way if you walk over it, you know, they, they should tell you that. And you should be very offended if they don't tell you that even if they're wrong about the status of the bridge. Like, you're walking over the bridge, and there's someone who sees you walking, and they, they stay silent. And then as soon as you make it over, they shout to you, oh, phew, I thought that bridge was going to give out. Well, you would be right to respond, dude, then why didn't you tell me that before I walked across it? So you were prepared to just watch me fall to my death? That's kind of what it's like. But in this case, of course, it's the other way around, where the Christian believes they're, they, are, you know, they are pointing to a bridge that will not give way. When they share the gospel, they are trying to steer you towards the sturdy bridge. Um, and again, even if you don't believe what they're saying, there's no cause for offense. Uh, any more than, you know, in, in other religions or so, some other religions, there's not as much evangelizing that goes on. Christianity is uh, somewhat unique on that front. But if I'm talking to someone of another religion, as has happened, and, and they're trying to convince me of the truth of their religion, it doesn't offend me at all. Um, all right, let's go here. And, and here's another not so shocking revelation since we're on the subject of uh, things that shouldn't shock us. Another hate crime cl uh, claim is, has been exposed as a hoax. It says, um, let's see, this is from the Daily Wire. Yes. Clifton Utsi, 18, claimed that his BMW X5 was vandalized as part of a hate crime with the perpetrator writing, um, Every message that left-wing provocateurs think the right believes. They spray-painted across the SUV racist and homophobic slurs, uh, including the N-word and KKK was sprayed across the car, as well as anti-Black Lives Matter messages. Um, I think there was a swastika, too. But a month after the initial story gained local media headlines, I never even heard about this. Um, the owner of the vehicle has now been charged with multiple crimes in relation to the incident. Uh, insurance fraud, uh, filing a flaw, false claim, but a bunch of other charges. So it's, it's good that they're actually being charged with a crime for a change because usually that's not how these things go. Uh, faces up to seven years in prison. No way he's actually going to get seven years in prison, but I would like to see that happen. If you really want to put an end to these hate crime, false hate crime claims, which seem to happen every week now, um, there need to be serious ramifications for people who do this. And it is a serious crime. You know, to my mind, if you file a false hate crime claim, you should get the penalty that somebody would have gotten for committing that hate crime if it had really happened. So if somebody had actually defaced this guy's car with KKK and swastikas and you know, racial slurs and everything, then whatever, whatever penalty they would get, and I'm sure it would be several years in prison, that's the penalty that this person should get, to my mind. But this, 
you know, like, like we talk about where the, the, uh, the desire for hate crimes and for racism, uh, you know, is, is there's a greater desire for it than there is a supply of it. And it also just shows the people that, 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 that come up with these fake hate crimes. Not only the fact that they're, that they're doing a fake hate crime in the first place tells you something. Because if we really lived in a racist country and you, for some reason, wanted to be a victim of a hate crime, uh, there should probably be plenty of opportunities for it to really happen to you. But it's not, it's not just that. It's also just that this would appear to be someone who's just never encountered an actual racist person in their life because they have no idea what an actual racist person would say or how they would act. That's what you find in the hate crime hoaxers. They, 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 it's not just that they've never been a victim of a real hate crime. It seems like, and this is good, this is good news. They've never encountered actual racism because they have no, they have this cartoonish idea. They get their idea of racism from TV, from the movies. Like an actual racist person would spray paint KKK and a swastika on your, on your car? No. Um, so that's the good news. We should, we should all, we should all be happy that racism is not nearly as prevalent as the left likes to pretend. Uh, what else here? From the New York Post, it says, Americans who are hosting gatherings over the holiday season should encourage guests not to sing while inside and should shield their pets from interacting with guests from outside their household, according to guidance from the CDC. The recommendations were included in a list of guidelines by the agency to help stop the spread of coronavirus as a second wave has spread like wildfire across the U.S. Um, CDC is said, encourage guests to avoid singing or shouting, especially indoors. Keep music levels down so people don't have to shout or speak loudly to be heard. And then it, it goes on from there with other. The CDC sounds like me talking to my kids. No shouting, keep the noise down. Hey, no jumping on the couches. Those aren't trampolines. Um, this is obviously absurd, but I, I do have two thoughts here. First of all, who is singing at their holiday parties? Do people actually do that? Like uh, in It's a Wonderful Life or something where the whole, the whole crowd starts singing together in unison? I've never seen that. I've, I've heard music at holiday parties. I've been to plenty of holiday parties in my life. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually seen a group of people start singing. Um, number two, I'm actually in favor. Maybe this would surprise you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor on a couple levels here of this. First of all, the thing about keeping your pets away from the guests, totally in favor of that. It's got nothing to do with COVID for me, though. When I go over to your house and you have a dog, I'm sorry. Like, I know you love your dog and you think everyone else does. I don't need your dog jumping on me every five seconds. It's super annoying. And it's always awkward when the person who owns the dog is not. They just assume that we all, they just assume that I would just love to have this slobbering beast crawling all over me for the entire night. Why would you assume I'd want that? Um, so that's, that's good advice. And the second good advice I think is, uh, banning singing and music at Christmas. I'm actually in favor of that as long as it's more targeted. Uh, so what I, what I would say is ban certain songs like ban wonderful Christmas time, little drummer boy, anything sung by Mariah Carey. Those songs, from what I understand are, um, you know, those are songs that, that, that if you sing them or listen to them, you're, you're more at risk to spread COVID. I think. I think that's that's the science. They can also cause bubonic plague, hepatitis, tetanus. So best to play it safe and ban just those songs. The rest of the Christmas music, have at it. Um, number five, finally, 
I'm, I'm concerned about Japan. Very concerned. Um, someone needs to have a talk with Japan. This, it would appear, is a very lonely country. Uh, we already know about all the sex robots in Japan. That's a big thing. Last I read, 67% of the population in Japan is now comprised of sex robots. Um, and I just made that up. But here's something I'm not making up. A new invention for single men in Japan. Here it is here. You can see it. It's a robotic hand. Which, just to clarify, the robotic hand is, uh, is, is meant to simulate hand-holding for single guys in Japan. And you see it says you could take a romantic stroll with this robotic hand. It's like, if you can't see, if you're, if you're listening to the audio podcast, it's, a, it's like a severed hand. Um, but it's robotic. And you kind of like strap it to yourself. And it says it feels almost like a real female hand, supposedly. I'm not sure how much it costs. The good news is that at least, it, however much it costs, it's sure to be cheaper than an actual girlfriend. So that's the one positive. If you can deal with looking like a serial killer when you walk down the street, um, then maybe this is the way to go. I just feel like some other country needs to reach out to Japan at this point and say, like, listen, guys, if you need a friend, we could be pen pals. You know, this is just this is just not not healthy at all. All right, we're gonna get to our speaking of not healthy. We're gonna get to our daily cancellation in just one second. But before we do, I want to tell you about one of our, our newer sponsors on the show that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Very excited about. Um, Acre. You know, it's it's really important, and as we're thinking about the volatility and everything out there, it's really important to hedge your investments with some gold, but it's also expensive to just go out and buy gold. That's not something that people are necessarily equipped to do. So here's something new. Uh, you know how the, the price of gold has been skyrocketing lately? There's a new way now to buy gold through a company called Acre. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as 30 bucks a month. You pay each month and uh, once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Acre lets you invest in physical gold without coming out of pocket all at once. Uh, Acre keeps you updated on your gold stash every month, and it ships ships to you once you reach their price threshold. And of course, they're taking care of your physical delivery, and it's going to be safe. It's going to come to you discreetly and directly to your door, so you got nothing to worry about. Acre designs their gold in California. They source their gold from one of the largest mints in Switzerland. Acre provides industry-first packaging that uh, looks and feels more expensive than other gold alternatives. Acre just recently also, by the way, introduced their new $100 a month subscription for their five gram gold bar. So you want to take advantage of that also. Visit getacregold.com Walsh and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is also giving away a gold bar. You don't want to miss out on this. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. Um, to potentially get that free gold bar as well. Again, that's getacregold.com slash Walsh. And we want to thank Acre Gold for support, supporting uh, the show. Also, one other quick note before we get to the daily cancellation. Uh, if, you weren't, if you weren't already disgusted by the legacy media, I think uh, by now, I'm sure you already were, but if you weren't, I'm sure you are now. The media, of course, preemptively called the election in favor of Joe Biden. And um, they're, you know, claiming that Trump is undermining the elections by not conceding. And now we're getting all these, you know, they just sort of moved on from the election and, and uh, fraud claims and everything. And we're getting all these puff pieces about Joe Biden's dogs and uh, Kamala Harris's husband. I've seen multiple stories about that. Could, could not be anything less interesting to me than the spouse of the potential vice president. And they could, nothing could be less interesting. But we're getting stories like that. 
Um, if you're tired of all this and you're tired of the narrative, that's why you should replace your cable and your new subscriptions with The Daily Wire. We've got big plans for the next four years and beyond. It starts today. Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author, founder of the Blexit Foundation, is joining The Daily Wire. She'll be launching a brand new show with us early next year. She'll be writing for the um, site as well. We'll be building a, uh, an entertainment channel, a new investigative journalism team. Uh, we'll have partnerships with like-minded creators like PragerU. By the end of the year, we'll have all of their, um, their entire library will be available on our website to members. And right now, just so you know we're serious, we're offering 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Members get all the perks that we always tell you about. Articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, the show library, full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show. If you become an all-access member, you can participate in our all-access uh, live discussions every night. And remember, that's 25% off all memberships with the code election over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media with the Daily Wire. You won't regret it. I guarantee it. Now time for our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, we are canceling Canada for this sign, which appeared on a Canadian roadway somewhere in that godforsaken country. It says, do not let moose lick your car. Now, so many questions arise at this point. First, how do you stop a moose from licking your car? Will a stern scolding be enough? Hey, moose, don't lick my car. You hear me, moose? I'm warning you. Start shaking your fist. And the moose is like, bro, relax. Why would I lick your car? Honestly, this sign seems like it could be propaganda to embarrass the moose population. Now everyone's going to assume that the moose are a bunch of damned car lickers. It'd be kind of like if the government put a sign outside your house that said, don't let the resident of this home run outside and kiss you on the mouth. On one hand, it's good advice, I guess. But on the other hand, it brands you in a way that might be unfair. I'm also worried about something else, though. Okay, this is important. Notice how the sign is in two parts. It flashes, do not let moose. And you see that part, and now you're in suspense. You're thinking, don't let them what? Don't let the moose what? What are the moose up to now? What dastardly scheme? And if the person driving by happens to be British... Uh, the word let can refer to renting something out. So they might think it's telling them not to rent their moose out to anyone. Do not rent your moose out. Keep your moose for yourself. No moose renting allowed. That could be confusing. Also demoralizing for anybody in the moose rental business. But here's the problem. Then the sign flashes, lick your car. By itself, just lick your car. What if somebody catches only the second half of the message driving by? All they see is, lick your car. And now they think this is a directive telling them to lick their cars. To them, the sign reads like an instruction. Lick your car. Do it now. Lick it. Lick the car, you freak. You know you want to. We've learned that people are extremely passive and obedient, especially Canadians. So there are probably a whole bunch of people on that road licking their cars as they drive by, not knowing why, how long they're supposed to lick. Imagine the traffic accidents that have likely been caused by people distracted by licking while driving, LWD, as the police call it. Imagine the marital disputes. Husband and wife driving by, he sees the sign, she doesn't. He starts licking the dashboard, she looks at him, what the hell are you doing? What, the sign said lick my car, what do you want me to do? And listen, my point here is not that moose should be licking cars, or that we should allow them to. Frankly, moose have been getting away with licking whatever they please for far too long. So in a certain way, I'm proud of Canada for taking a stand for once. And if anyone in Canada can let me know, by the way, what exact measures can be employed to stop the moose from licking, 
please, please tell me. Um, it may come in handy. You know, you never know. I might have a noose, a moose knock on my door tonight. Like, hey, man, can I, uh, can I lick your car, please? I just got to lick it. I'm jonesing. I'm jonesing for a taste of that car. Fine, one lick on the passenger side, the door handle. Yeah, right where my, where my wife gets in the car. Yeah, right there. But this sign is just the wrong way to handle the problem. And for that, Canada is canceled. And for having this problem at all, Canada is canceled. The rest of the world is dealing with pandemics, elections, war, disease, poverty. Canada's up there just worried about what the moose are licking. So Canada is canceled. Also, moose are canceled. Any member of any species who licks cars is canceled. And I am also canceled for the dumbest daily cancellation I've ever done. It'll get dumber from here, I guarantee it. That's it today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Tech billionaires want to censor your ideas and the Democrats want them to censor your ideas some more. We'll talk about free speech and talk about election fraud also in the mailbag on The Andrew Claven Show. Hey.